0: Acts chapter number thirteen tonight. I want you to look with me in the first four verses of this particular uh, of this particular chapter. The Bible says in Acts thirteen in verse number one. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. I want you to notice with me, if you would, if you're in the habit of marking your Bible, notice verse number two, where the Bible says, The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. Whereunto I have called them. Notice verse number four. So they, being sent forth by who? By the church at Antioch? By Manaean and Simeon and, and the others? Lucius of Cyrene. Sin- no, those folks didn't send them to the work that they were called to do. No, they were sent by the Holy Ghost. With the Lord's help, I'd like to preach you a message I've entitled again, By my spirit into all the world by my spirit into all the world, recorded for us here in the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, is the beginning of Saul, or what we would later know to become known as Paul's first missionary journey. He and his partner, Barnabas, were were, were sent out of the church at Antioch to preach the gospel, to evangelize the lost, and to plant churches. This team would accomplish one term of ministry effort together before they would eventually split from one another to form two separate teams that would go different places to preach Christ. These two two would begin the missions movement of the New Testament church that continues to this day. A, A missions movement that we will highlight and that we will focus on beginning this coming Wednesday evening. Their pioneering spirit we take note of in the book of Acts, as they would boldly take the gospel to places that it had not been preached, it had never been heard, and where many souls would eventually be saved and churches established by these men and their missionary efforts. Now today, as we said a moment ago, this work continues as gospel-preaching churches send out God-called willing servants to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, as we discussed last week, our responsibility as the church, our responsibility as believers, those who identify are God-called willing servants known as missionaries, their responsibility is not to convert everyone who is alive today. Now, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice if everyone you preach the gospel to would get saved? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Uh, If there were no failures, if there if there were no one that would reject the gospel, we understand that many, many are going to hear the gospel and are going to reject it. Uh, Our responsibility is not to win every person to Christ. Our responsibility is to preach the gospel to every ear. That's the goal. That's what this is all about. What they do with the gospel is between them and the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God will have an opportunity to work in their lives as you and I are faithful to give out the gospel. But we cannot ensure that every individual gets saved. That is a free will matter, that an individual makes a decision on their own. But you must know that there are today many places where there are people that are alive today who have never heard the message of the gospel. I have to tell you, that should trouble us. It should trouble us, and it should remind us that what we are doing this week is important. It is worthwhile that our job is far from done. And can I say that we will only accomplish this task of preaching the gospel to every ear so long as we settle our focus, we talked about that last week, and we go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we possess a willingness to leave our comfort zone. I have to remind you again tonight that we cannot do this work in the power of our flesh. We cannot rely on developing technology. We cannot rely on crafting creative, brilliant strategies. But instead, listen, we must rely on the Holy Spirit's power. On Wednesday night, we'll begin our annual Faith Promise Missions Conference. What is this? What is this all about? this I I just want to be up front with you. This is a time that we have set aside each year for the purpose of exposing our church to the growing, ever-increasing need of world evangelism in hopes, in hopes that our people, you and me, all of us together, uh, that our people will consider expanding their investment. In other words, as the need expands, it becomes imperative that the church of God expands their investment and their involvement in worldwide evangelism. I believe the hour is late. And I believe, listen, I believe there is no better investment that you could make than taking your time, your talent, and your treasure and giving it to God to be used in gospel work. I want us to consider some really, really important and key truths as we continue to emphasize this theme, by my spirit, into all the world. Number one... I want you to consider with me as we look at Acts chapter number 13. We discover in this text very early on, number one, that God blesses the church with able ministers. Would you look with me in verse number one? The Bible says there now there were in the church, there was at Antioch, and there's five names that are listed. And notice that they are identified as certain prophets and teachers. Now, I believe every church should have a pastor.
1: Are you aware that there are a lot of
0: churches in our world today that do not have a pastor? I'm given to understand that to the north of us, the country of Canada, there's only about 300 independent Baptist churches like ours. And did you know that a great many of them today, tonight, are looking for a pastor? Looking for someone who will come and... Who will shepherd the flock? It's heartbreaking to me to think of, of sheep that are without a shepherd. But can I also tell you that beyond the pastor, many churches are blessed with capable teachers, preachers, and leaders. Now, depending on a church's size, some will have maybe, maybe just one, one person who's capable of standing and preaching and teaching God's word. Um, some will have maybe just a few. Well, while some churches, in large, much larger than this, maybe would have many, many people who are capable of standing and opening God's word and preaching the Bible, can I say that the church should be actively developing this idea here of certain teachers, preachers, and leaders? In other words, you, you may not be called to pastor. You may not be called into full-time, what we refer to as full-time Christian work tonight, but you can still be used in this way, you don't, have to, you don't have to be a God-called preacher or pastor to stand in front of a group of people and to take a copy of God's Word and to tell them, hey, here's what God's Word says. All around this building today were people who perhaps work in offices or, uh, or, or work with their hands, or perhaps tomorrow they'll find themselves under a vehicle somewhere or maybe standing in front of a classroom, and they stood in front of a group of people today, and they opened the Bible, and they taught God's word. And I would just, I would just say that in a church this size, there should be lots of men and even lots of women who are capable of standing and opening the Bible and teaching the Bible. And can I also just say that, that, you know, don't be so quick to turn down opportunities to teach a class or to preach a message or even to give your testimony well, you, you, and, you and I miss out on some great blessings and some great opportunities when we say something like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not willing to stand up in front of people and I'm not willing to say a word or two. I have to tell you, one of the greatest privileges for me and all of the world is standing up here week after week and being able to open the Bible and proclaim and preach, thus saith the Lord. And I just have to believe there's other men in here that are capable of doing that same thing. Maybe not necessarily here. Maybe God's going to use you somewhere else. But don't be so quick to turn down those opportunities. The pastor, listen, should not be the only person the church ever hears God's word proclaimed from. In other words, I don't have to be the only one. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful God's blessed Cleveland Baptist Church with men who maybe in my absence or perhaps maybe when I'm in a busy season and I just need maybe just a little bit of a break, I'm thankful for men who can stand. And by the way, by the way, I need to hear preaching every once in a while. I need to hear it. I need to be helped by it as well. So notice that God blesses the church with able ministers. Notice two things about these able ministers. Number one, we discover that God calls some to minister in their local church. And God calls some to minister in their local church. Now, there's five names that are identified. And as far as we know, three of them, Simeon, who's, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, as far as we know, they never traveled outside of Antioch. That that's what it seems like. They're now, now to be to be fair, they're pretty much only mentioned here. But we discover that there's certain prophets and teachers. They're in this church at Antioch, and, and that's pretty much all we know about them. That at least at this point in time they were not called from this place to go somewhere else. They faithfully, these men would have faithfully served in this place and the Lord would have used them to keep this local church strong. And, and, and that's, and that's the the point of it. For some, listen, for some of you sitting in this room, the closest you'll ever get to the mission field is by meeting some of the missionaries that will be here this week. The most you'll ever see of certain fields will be as you sit in your pew and as on the screens are played this week videos and presentations that highlight what God is doing in places all around the world. That's as close as you're going to get to it. And that's fine. This is where God has called you. This is where God has placed you. And you, and you dare not, listen, you dare not leave this place unless you know for sure that God is leading you to go somewhere. And in our text, we find three men who are certain prophets and teachers. And we're going to discover that a little bit later, verse or two down, there's going to be a couple of additional men that God says, hey, listen, I want them to do this work. And God doesn't call these three men. No, these three men, their responsibility is to stay faithful in the place where God has called them. You see, God does not call everyone to leave and to go somewhere else with the gospel. It is imperative. Listen, it's so important that churches churches remain strong back home. So important. We hear from missionaries quite often. One of the things that they emphasize when they return, they'll say things like, thank you so much. Thank you for so much, church family. Not to me, they're talking to you. Thank you for staying faithful. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for being in your place. Thank you for continuing to give. Thank you for what you've done here. Just this past week, I got a letter from Brother Stephen Bird. Many of you know the Bird family, Stephen and Charlotte. They've served the Lord since 1993 in the country of Ecuador. Guayaquil, I believe, is the name of the town. They've established two churches. God has used them in an amazing way. They've built buildings. They've got education facilities. I mean, it's incredible to think what the Lord's done. And you know, this just this week I received a letter from the birds, and Brother Bird shared in that letter that they've recently discovered some health issues and they're going to have to retire, come home from the field. Share that with me. And so I sent him an email almost as quickly as I got the letter. And I just said, thank you so much for your faithfulness. For 30 years, I remember when they first came, I remember their boys who are now adult men now and have children of their own, married now. Uh, They were little children when they first came here all those years ago. And this church, listen, we we have supported them every single month for 30 years so that they can be in that place. Listen, th- those folks can't be there and they cannot stay there and they cannot do the work that God has called them to do unless unless the Cleveland Baptist Church stays strong. And so it's vital. In other words, you're saying, well, what role do I play? Do I really make a difference as it relates to world evangelism? Absolutely, you, you do. Because listen, some people, God calls them to stay right here and to keep this church so- strong and continue to give and continue to pray and continue to win souls to Christ and do what God has called us to do here. Notice, secondly, as we think about God blessing the church with able ministers, God does call some to minister in the local church, but we discover in our text that God calls some to minister in foreign places. And God calls some to minister in foreign places. Now, there's five names that are listed. We've covered the first three, Simeon, Lucius, and Manan. But there's two other names that are identified in verse number one. Their names are Barnabas and Saul. And the Bible says very clearly in verse number two, that Barnabas and Saul were called by God, and he said, listen, I want them to be separated to me for the work whereunto I have called them. So two of these men, Saul and Barnabas, uh, would would be called by God to take the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ from Antioch to other places that were in desperate need. Now listen, among us tonight are some some that I, I have no doubt That God will call to this great work, I believe that. I believe that. I don't know how big the church in Antioch was, but I'm just I'm just saying that. Regardless of how big it was, there is no way. There is no way that in a church this size with this many hundreds of people here tonight, that there are not someone, maybe maybe a young child, maybe a teenager. Or maybe even an adult. Someone who's already settled into their career. Maybe they've got their education and their life is heading in this direction. But God God says, hey listen, it's time for a detour. It's time for me to reroute you. I've got something else for you to do. And maybe in this conference, or maybe at some point in the future, the Holy Spirit of God is going to begin to tug on your heart. And he's going to tell you the same thing that he told Barnabas and Saul here in this text. Hey listen, I want you to be separated. There's something special. There's something specific that I have for you, I have called you, I have designed you, I have purposed you to take the gospel from this place to another place. What a high call. What a great opportunity. Can I tell you that, uh, that I, I, may not, I may not know who that is right now. I believe probably there's someone, but I may not know who that is at this very moment. I, I have to tell you, it's not my job, my job to call you to this work. I, I don't get that privilege or that opportunity. I can't pull you into my office sometime this next week and say, you're the one. You're the one I was talking about. You're supposed, that, that's, that's not a call. That's not sufficient. That's not sufficient to, 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 to quit everyone's uh, jobs and, and, and for them to sell their house and for them to begin to raise support. Well, my preacher said that I need to go. No, no, that's not my job. That's not my role. I don't, I don't get to do that. But listen, I have no doubt that there are some that God will select and God will call to, to leave this place with the gospel and to faithfully preach it somewhere else. And I just have to say, maybe even here tonight, there are some that are wrestling. You're wrestling with this very call this evening. Maybe you've thought about it. Maybe, maybe even as we approach missions conference, you almost sort of get that uneasy, queasy feeling in your stomach. Here it comes again. They're going to they're start talking about giving one's life to go to a foreign field, and I don't know that I really want to do that. Maybe there's some that that's been a struggle, that's been a battle. Uh, you say, what, 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 what should I do with that? Well, I would, I would just tell you that I believe, I believe that most missionaries don't go to the field kicking and screaming. In other words, if that's your spirit and that's your attitude, you're probably not ready to surrender to a call like that. I find most, most missionaries are eager to get to the field. In fact, if we brought a mission, missionary to this conference, and they stood up in front of us and said, well, we got to go. We don't really want to, but what choice? You know, How much confidence would that inspire in us? I think most of our church leadership would probably pull me aside and say, hey, Pastor Peter, I know normally we bring these missionaries when we plan on supporting them, but I don't think we're interested in supporting that family. No, we want, we want folks who are eager to go. We want folks who are excited and, and grateful for the opportunity. So understand that God blesses the church with able ministers, some who stay right here in the local church, keep it strong, minister to the church, some who take the gospel of Jesus Christ to foreign places. Notice secondly, we discover in our text that the call of the Holy Ghost must be obeyed. The call of the Holy Ghost must be obeyed. Now, a couple things I'd like to call to your attention. Number one, I want you to notice that the Holy Ghost, I think this is interesting. The Holy Ghost calls those who are already serving. Now, now don't, don't get this all twisted on me. Some of you are sitting here saying, oh, okay. Well, I know how to avoid the Holy Ghost call. I just won't do anything. That, that's, that's not the purpose of this. What I, what, I want you, what I want you to understand is when the Holy Ghost is looking, he's looking, he's choosing, he's determining what he's going to do. And a lot of this, of course, is foreordained. He, he knows before the foundation of the world what he's going to call you to do and what he's created you to do. But just understand that it, it's, it's, it's not a surprising thing to us that he calls those who are already involved and already serving. These men... The Bible tells us that they were busy doing what they knew they were supposed to be doing. They were ministering to the Lord and they were fasting. They were already prophets and teachers that were ministering in this local church. They were teaching, they were serving. Listen, had Barnabas and Saul not been willing to do these things in Antioch, then they would have been poor candidates to be faithful to do them in other places. In other words, the Holy Ghost is not going to call someone to 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 teach and to preach and to minister to the Lord and to fast and to win souls to Christ and establish churches, he's not going to call them to leave Antioch and to go to the places that they would eventually go if they weren't willing to do it in Antioch to begin with. This is how this works. So, Listen, I think to myself, so many want God to tell them what they don't already know about their future. When, when they themselves are not willing, are not willing to do what they already do know they're supposed to be doing. In, in other words, s- some people are sitting here tonight, and maybe there's some that are dealing with some level of uncertainty. I don't know necessarily what my future holds. M- maybe, as you sit here tonight, there's some level of, uh, in which you're unsettled just a little bit. You can't put your finger on it. Uh, you cannot identify it right now, but just... There's there's a there's a there's a struggle in my heart, in my life. I just feel like something is out of sorts. And and so you're maybe maybe you've gone to the Lord and you said, Lord, what what's going on here? Lord, what else do you have for me? Lord, what is your plan for my life? And what I'm saying, I'm saying this. Don't expect the Lord to reveal that to you until you're already doing what you know you're supposed to be doing right this moment. Why would he trust you? Why would he trust you with the unknown if he cannot trust you with what is already known? In other words, if you, if you can't be faithful to come to church and just to be here, if you can't be faithful to read your Bible and to pray every day? If you can't be faithful to take a track out of your front pocket or or or, or out of your jacket and to hand it to somebody when you get an opportunity. What makes you think the Lord is going to turn around and say, okay, well, let me, let me reveal these, these great, hidden, mysterious things that you don't know about that you're supposed to be doing at this point in time. Understand that he, he isn't going to reveal the mysterious things to us when what he's already clearly revealed we're not obedient in. That's of what the Bible says in Luke 16 and verse number 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. So the Holy Ghost is looking at Saul and Barnabas And he's watching them be faithful in Antioch. They're being faithful in that which is least. They're being faithful in what they already know to do. And the Holy Ghost says, okay, those are two men that you can separate me, and I can send them other places because I know just as they've been faithful to do gospel work in Antioch, they'll be faithful to do gospel work in the uttermost part of the earth. So the Holy Ghost calls those already serving. But notice, secondly, the Holy Ghost makes his call known to the church. Now now look at it. Verse 2. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul, for the work unto I have called them. Now I'm no language expert. In fact, if you were to walk across the parking lot and you were to get access to my permanent record as a student at Heritage Christian School, you would discover that to be true. You would find that I was a middle-of-the-road student. Um, My children sometimes will be sitting at our home at night and they'll say, Daddy, I need help with my homework. And I'm sitting here going, what grade are you in? Yeah, I can't help you. (laughs) I could help him in kindergarten and first grade and second grade, but that ship has long since sailed, right? But I I don't have to be a language expert to understand here that the Holy Ghost is, is speaking not necessarily to Barnabas and Saul in this particular text. Now, don't misunderstand me. I do believe, I do believe that likely the Holy Spirit of God had already communicated to Barnabas and Saul what he wanted them to do. But I believe I believe that in this particular text, what we find is we find the Holy Ghost of God making this call about these two men making it known to their own local church. I believe that's what's happening here. I believe that the Holy Ghost of God is speaking to the church that is at Antioch. And can I say that when the Holy Ghost truly does call an individual, because listen, remember, he calls someone who's already involved in gospel work, they're already faithful in that which is least, and when he calls them to do that which is more, it is usually not a huge surprise to those of us who are around them and who know them best. How many times I've been privileged, you know, I was a youth pastor for many years, and now being a, a pastor for a number of years, and, um, and sometimes when people email me, text me, or call me, and they say, Pastor, I'd like to meet with you. I get real nervous. Now, I've heard that it goes both ways. I'm given to understand that sometimes when I reach out to someone and say, hey, I'd love to have a meeting with you. I need to meet with you tonight after church or whatever, that they're sweating. And so it's only, it's only right that when I get an email or a text from someone, I start sweating as well. Like, we, we all get nervous around each other, apparently, you know. And I start to think, oh, no, you know. What did I say? What did I do? Uh, what, what did someone else do in the church? Uh, what are they? Uh, what, what are they? What are they upset about? What? What am I gonna? What mess am I gonna have to clean up because someone might have offended or hurt them or whatever the case might be, and, uh, and and yet, however, there are some people. There are some people that when they text or they call, "Hey, I need to meet with you," in my mind I start thinking, "I think I bet I know what they want to me, meet me about." Meet me about. I've been watching them. I'm, I notice that, that boy, they're they're getting a whole lot more faithful. I've noticed they're a whole lot more tender in services. I've seen them really plugged in, maybe taking notes and, and shouting amen. I see them singing louder. I saw them. I heard they got involved in another ministry recently. I, 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 I've, I've heard some good things. I've heard some positive things. And in my, my mind, I'm not always right. Sometimes that wheel starts turning. I bet, I bet. Boy, we just come out of a revival. I bet, I bet that guy, he, he, wants to, he wants to preach God's word. Or we've just come out of a missions conference. I bet that I bet that family is wrestling. I bet they're struggling with the call to ministry. In other words, when that person sits down and says, Preacher, listen, we've been thinking about this and we've been praying about this, and God has been stirring in our hearts and our lives, and we believe that God might be calling us. I normally, I normally don't sit back in my chair and go, Really? You? Nah, that can't be. No, you you can't possibly you can't possibly do do that type of work. No, normally normally I'm sitting there and I'm almost mouthing the words ahead of them. I know where this is going. Why? Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God has a way. He has a way of communicating the work that He's doing in the lives of others to His church. Just just like you as a parent or you as a as a family member, you we talked about this this morning. You sort of know, or you're at least supposed to know, sort of where your family is at. So that before they even say it, whatever it is that's on their heart, you sort of have an idea. You've sort of been able to kind of read the signs, as it were. And you can tell, hey, man, they're unsettled. They're struggling. Or they're doing great. They've got good news to share with me. The same thing is true in a church. We are a family. We're a family. And we're supposed to be in community close enough in which we can sort of get an idea of what God is doing in the lives of other people. The Holy Spirit of God is more, more than capable of communicating, of making his call known to the church. In other words, the leaders at Antioch, they were not blown away. When the Holy Ghost said, "Hey, separate me these two guys. For the work we're into, I've called them. Man, but and Lucius and the others, they didn't, they didn't stand back and say, "What? Saul and Bart now. Surely, surely you have someone else that you want to do? No, no, they, they knew right away. Yeah, we get it. These are the ones." Likely they had begun already to suspect the Lord's got bigger plans for these men beyond just right here. There, there's, a, there's a growing, developing burden. Maybe they'd begun to talk about other places. You know, man, that's great what's happening here in Antioch, but, but did you know? Did you know that a hundred miles from here are towns and villages that have never one time heard the gospel? Perhaps maybe they'd begun to talk like that. Maybe they'd even begun to gather regularly. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry? He he said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers. And I I wondered maybe Saul and Barnabas, maybe they hadn't started like a prayer meeting there in the church at Antioch and they were gathering and they were saying, hey, listen guys, we we need to pray for lots of things, but we specifically need to pray that God would send some laborers into these places, into those places. There's, There's places all around us that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I say... The church isn't responsible to simply send out a family. I believe the church bears the responsibility to recognize and to acknowledge this call on an individual's life and then to commend them to this work. In other words, if your pastor or church leadership is struggling to get behind you in a specific call, it probably isn't because they don't like you or they're just trying to make life miserable for you. It's maybe because they haven't been given this same direction and you should be willing to wait until they have. You see, on the flip side of things, there have been some people who tried to force some things. Hey, pastor, I believe I believe God's called. I believe God's called us to take the gospel here. And maybe their pastor's sitting there and saying, "You know, I find that hard. I find that a little hard to believe because I feel like there's some there's just some things that are not right in your life right now, and I'm having a hard time sending you to other churches to raise support to go to a foreign field if we can't fully get behind you and we can't fully support you. You get the idea, right? The Holy Ghost of God uses the local church. And he is more than capable of communicating the call that he's placed upon the lives of people to their local church. And if I'm an individual and I'm a member of a local church, why it's so important to be a part of a local church, I'm not not doing anything. I'm not taking a major step like this until until I believe, man, the church is behind me in this. Man, the, the, the pastor is eager to send me out, and not that they're trying to get rid of me, but they just know that this is what God's called me to do, and others, others have begun to see this. I I, I just think that's so important, and I think it's clearly seen in this text. Notice thirdly, the Holy Ghost often calls a church's best to this sacred work, and we won't spend a lot of time here, but I, I got to thinking, what's the one family in this church that the pastor can't imagine being without? And um, I I mean this with all sincerity. There's not just one family. There's there's a multitude of families in this church that I just have a hard time imagining the Cleveland Baptist Church being without. But I've come to this conclusion. And this conclusion is, is good for all of us, and that is this, listen, the church is bigger and greater than any one family. And the church can survive, listen, the church can survive without any of us. And I say us because I'm definitely included in that number. If, if God were to work in my heart this week and tell me, hey, listen, it's time for you to resign being a pastor. It's time for you uh, to, to, to head to a mission field. Listen, I have no doubt if that's what God wanted, if that's what God wanted, this church would go on. And can I just tell you if that's what God, want, God wanted and I resisted this by saying, no, 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 my place is here. Lord, Lord, you don't understand. This is where, this, this church can't be without me. This church would struggle if I stayed here. The same thing is true about you. Same thing is true about any of us in this room. None of us are indispensable. You know, I got to thinking, Dr. Roy Thompson, who was the founding pastor of the church, he retired in 1995. And he went home to heaven in 2010. And yet, look at us, look at us today. We're still moving on, aren't we? We love we love him and we we thank God for his influence and his ministry, but you know what the Cleveland Baptist Church is not is not just to be confined to the life of of Roy Thompson. No, his prayer, his goal, his his thought and idea that was a God given one was that the church would long outlive him and his life. I'll be honest with you, I, I pray the Lord returns in my lifetime. But I'm just, I'm just saying this, at some point, I'm going to die. I'm going to move on from here. We're all going to move on from here at some point or another. And guess what? The church will carry on. That's what it's all about. I'm just simply saying to myself tonight, don't, don't overestimate your place here. Don't allow that to keep you from obeying God's call. If the church at Antioch could survive without Barnabas and Saul, then I'm pretty sure... Cleveland Baptist Church can go on without me if that's what the Lord wills. Notice thirdly and finally tonight, by his spirit we go into all the world. Three very quick things I want to show you. The Holy Ghost, he's all over this story. Really there's three specific things that we find him doing. Notice by his spirit we go into all the world. Notice first of all by his spirit's call. There it is in verse number two. There's the call, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I've called them. I I, I just want to say that, listen, I don't believe God's calling less today than he has in years past. I mean, the job is bigger, the hour is later, the need is greater than it's ever been. It would seem, listen, it would seem that the Holy Spirit of God is probably trying to call as many, if not more, than he ever has based on these factors as he called some in our midst who maybe have just finally told him, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I've got other plans. I've got other ambitions. I've got other dreams and other goals. Listen, if, if we're going to take the gospel into all the world, we can only do so as we hear his spirit's call. But notice by his spirit's sending. See, the church didn't send them. The Holy Ghost did. Notice, notice it in verses 3 to 6. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed. They went to Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain source. So notice notice that the Spirit of God was leading them and directing them where they went. Now, here's the question. How does one know where they're to go and where they're to serve? In other words, I start to think, you know, it's an awful big world. How how do I know where I'm supposed to go? A lot of people here. The need is great everywhere. I just came came from the Philippines. I I was there just a couple of months ago. And I just have to tell you, the Philippines is one of the most evangelized countries in the world. And yet, yet everywhere I I went, you could see the need is so great. So, So in other words, you can't... You, 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 you can go anywhere and there's going to be a, a, a needy group of people that need to be reached. So how do we know where we're supposed to go? Well, here's what I've discovered. I believe the Lord specializes in opening doors as well as in closing doors. We, we see that in Acts 16, verses 6 and 7. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were, for, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So we see several instances there in Acts chapter number 16 where they were trying, trying. Lord, is this, is this a door that we need to walk through? Lord, is this a place that we need to go? And, and on several occasions, the Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you going there. So he was more than capable, and it wasn't long before Paul would have a vision in the night, and they would hear the Macedonian call, and they would go to Macedonia, they'd land in Philippi, and a great church would be established. But did you know that the Holy Ghost can not only close doors, but he can also open them? In 1 Corinthians 16, in verse number 9, the Bible says, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For, why? For a great door and effectual is opened unto me. So Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, listen, here's my plans, and here's where I'm going to Jerusalem for Pentecost, but I'm not going to go until I absolutely have to. And here's why. Because there is a great door open to me here in Ephesus. And God's doing a great work in this place. So how do you know where you're supposed to go? Well, in our text, they left Antioch, and they went to Seleucia first, before sailing for Cyprus, stopping at Salamis and Paphos along the way. And so here's what we understand. Not only did the Spirit of God determine who should go, By his spirit's call, but he also determines where they should go by his spirit's sending. I would, I would not think about going somewhere. I would not think about going somewhere until I knew, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the spirit was sending me there. And neither should you. Because he's more than capable. I know, I know he's a spirit and I know we don't hear him audibly and I know that we, he's not, he's not a physical being that you could reach out and touch. I understand all of this, but he is more than capable of telling you where you should go and where you should be. Thirdly and finally, by his Spirit's power. We've looked at the who, who should go, those who are called. We've looked at the where should they go, by his Spirit sending, and he's more than capable of directing them. But notice, by his Spirit's power, this is the how that we're going to accomplish the work. Would you look in verse number nine? Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Now, I'm just going to give you just a real quick recap and we'll be done. Upon upon arriving on the Isle of Paphos, they encountered a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet. We read of that in verse number six. His name was Elymas. And he had some level of influence with the deputy of that region. The deputy, however, was intrigued with with Paul and Barnabas' message and with their calling. And he wanted to hear the message more plainly. However... However, this sorcerer had influence with him. And as a result, he was determined to keep this deputy from hearing the message. You can read about it in verses 7 and 8. So understand, this was a spiritual battle. And this type of battle, listen, can only be fought in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that this sorcerer was no match. No match, not for Paul. Not for Paul. He was was no match for the Holy Spirit of God. And listen, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how insignificant you may be. If you'll get the the power from the Holy Ghost, you can go anywhere, and God can use you to do a great work. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. The Bible says that Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost, and as a result, it led to the conversion of this deputy. So the Holy Spirit determines who should go by his Spirit's call. He determines where they should go by his Spirit's sending and then he determines how they accomplish the work by his spirit's power. A man or a woman dare not attempt to work like this apart from God's call. Now listen, those that, that we're, we've invited this week, they're gonna be our guests. They, listen, these people have been called by the Holy Ghost. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing. Listen, the Holy Ghost has called them. The Holy Ghost has given them a place to go. And we trust, we trust that they're gonna go to the, those places with the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon them. Oh, oh, and by the way, by the way, their churches stand behind them. Their churches have recommended them to us for this good work. I mean, in other words, we, we see the same pattern that's played out in Acts chapter number 13. We're gonna see it played out this week. In other words, you go to any one of these missionaries that'll be here, and you say, hey, who, who's your sending church? Who's your pastor? And they'll tell you right away. Hey, do you have a letter of recommendation from your from your pastor? Do they believe that you've been called to this? And I'm just telling you, I've seen the letters. I, I know, I know that these individuals have been recommended by their local church to this work. And they've already identified, this is the place where we believe God is leading us. Here's how we were called. And if you'll pray for us, and, and, and if we'll walk right, then we can have the Holy Spirit's power upon our lives. And God can use us to do a great work. And here's here's, here's the great part. Listen, here's the great part, church family. You and I get to be a part of their work and ministry. Some of us, some of us get to be a part of it. Maybe, Maybe someday through going. But all of us, all of us can be a part of it through our giving. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.